This is the Manips and Sips podcast show, featuring two fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic and sports physical therapists. Join us as we talk all things physical therapy, manual therapy, performance, business, education, research, and of course, Sips. Hey everyone, this is the Nips and Sips podcast show featuring me. I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd and my usual partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Today we're going to be talking about knee osteoarthritis, uh, whether it's something we can prevent a total knee replacement, are these patients doomed, uh, and overall hopefully clinical presentation and some treatment. Uh, but before I get too much into it, Brandon, how's it going? Going well, man. Um, good to be back here. We were both on actually little vacations there. Uh, I went to uh, Mexico. You were able to go to Denver, mm-hmm. um, do the lovely sightseeing that is Colorado there. And um, it? I think you're visiting a friend as well, right? Yeah, I was visiting a bud, uh, my bud since <laughs> high school. And uh, yeah, I got to go to a concert in Red Rocks, got to see the uh, Rockies play. So overall, awesome experience. And uh, oh, you got to lay on the beach, a little R&R. Yeah, a little R&R, got a little tan, got yeah, the base for the year, we're ready to go. It should be uh, goals to maintain this the rest of the summer. Yeah, that's good. I yeah, the rest do. of the summer. We haven't even started spring yet. Um, <laughs> spring and summer. Yeah. It's still freaking cold here in the Northeast. I uh, know, it's awful. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, today seems to be pretty nice. Uh, maybe you can pass off some of your tan to my uh, employee, John, there. We've taken some recent photos in the clinic and... My man, man is see through, and I hope he's listening to this podcast so he knows I just blew him up. You're on, just uh... giving him more reason for him to dominate you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did uh, crush him in ping pong last uh, yesterday, yeah. and I got him on Instagram. So yeah, his uh, smack talking has uh, become a little bit more quiet of late. And some redemption. Yeah, a little redemption. And I uh, I bodied him up a little bit, you know, a little wrestling, but he's got me in the mercy. He's his wrists just don't. They don't bend. It takes away the uh, main <laughs> move there. So I forgot to say, we just got our hoop. We have to make a post about it, actually. Yeah. Alan was uh, great enough to put it together. He's the handyman in the clinic because Lord knows oh. we can't do anything. So we have a hoop. It's legit. Oh, yeah. it's outside, 10 feet. Uh, we will be outside. You're in Cam's ass. Yeah, we have the uh, those beams that hang low and then the, the lights, uh, yeah. too. So kind of we can. Um, can't put it in the clinic. It'll definitely just break some lights and shit. So oh, yeah, we've already done. We'll that. put it outside. Uh, it'll be by a curb. We'll uh, when it gets nice, we'll throw down. Nice. <laughs> Maybe after one of the courses too. Yeah, yeah. I need some redemption. You know, uh, you know. He shows. I mean, I, I will make my last like basketball game. Buying, man. I had a leave it where it is. Huh? No, no, no. Where it is? Not gonna like. What I was you're tired. I was teaching all weekend. You know. I was teaching all weekend too. Yeah, but I mean, this time I did a lot more of the talking. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna pull out any excuse I can handle there. And uh, what's Cam's excuse? Oh, he had, he had a game um, like the night before. Uh, okay. Yeah, we're gonna go into our topic now. <laughs> so, yes, anyway. right? <laughs> to our topic, we we've decided to bring it back clinically. I know we've we've talked about. A variety of things like we like to do on the show yeah, keep it uh, variable keep nice. it bringing our experiences to uh, our millions and millions of fans mm-hmm. um so we're gonna touch upon uh knee away when when is it indicated to get uh a total knee replacement or partial knee replacement can we better help our patients guide them through uh the i guess the treacheries of the medical um i guess world 
you know, can we be an advocate? Can we find some things that can at least stave it off, stave off surgery uh, for a little bit, which it's indicated in some people. And then some people it's like, Hey, you know, you need to go get it. You know, can we become better at understanding, um, you know, when, when we should uh, refer these patients out, can we become better at diagnosing? We have our, you know, clinical prediction rules. I use that in quotes to help us guide if somebody has OA, but yeah. that's not always, um, you know, a steadfast rule either. Yeah. So, but before, uh, I guess we get into this, I'm excited about this topic. I used to see a ton, a ton of NEOA. Obviously my population has changed, but we still get it from time to time. But, um, yeah, I was, uh, started off as more treating total knee replacements. And then my goal was to start to prevent them as much as I can. So, uh, you know me, I love the knee, so this should be fun. But before we get into it, get into our drinks. Brandon, what you got today? I've uh, got rum on the rocks, my Bacardi, uh, a hint of vanilla that I believe uh, this bottle was given to us from Manny, uh, you know, Manny, um, patient of ours. So uh, he's been awesome. He loves it. Uh, coming to us. He's always supportive of the entire staff. So big shout out to Manny. Cheers to Manny. All right. So I am <clears throat> drinking today is Elsian, which I've had a couple of their beers in the past. Altered Contact, a tort IPA. Pretty cool art here. I never had this one, so it's going to be a live uh, taste testing. Uh, let's see. This uh, one uh, rewires your perception of IPAs with its electrifying, tart, and juicy demeanor. Galvanized notes of orange, tangerine, mango, and pineapple. There's no turning back now. I like it. I love things that have mango and pineapple in them, so we'll see. Where'd you get this one? Did you get it while you were away in uh in Denver or no? No, but I did go to eight breweries. In, huh? They have a big brewery strip there, as you they know. They do. I mean, there's breweries all over the place over yeah. there. So we had one on the way back from the mountain that was, or two on the way back from the mountain uh, that we hiked. Uh, and then there's just Denver's loaded with them. So we hit eight breweries in, in like less than three days, which was awesome and taxing at the same time so uh but this one no i believe i got this this might have been in a for our holiday party they had like a holiday uh craft beer pack um so i think this was in it and or yeah no that's that's where this came from i'm pretty sure so a little aged you know three months four months but I'm drinking out my son's up glass which i believe is in phoenix i think it was a good good brewery from what i remember i have to make my way out to arizona i want to go on a golf trip out there yeah. we gotta go to golf like you need to play golf and we need to all right go out on a golf trip yeah just need to make the all right that's it and then the ladies can go play amongst themselves and won't we'll yeah pool parties they do we'll be out playing golf yeah. it'll be perfect perfect all right i'm in all right i'm gonna start playing twice okay. a week what are, you, what are you doing tomorrow uh uh oh god uh, here off to a bat all right uh, moving on moving next on. week next week moving next on week. moving um, on. i'm gonna give this a <clears throat> i can taste the tart not overly like who could be that the beer's maybe a little bit old uh no, but it was Best Buy 
like last month, so not terrible. I'm gonna give it a six point eight. That's not, the lowest rating I've I think I, you've ever given on the show. Um, was it? Uh, no. I think so. I think so. Six point eight. Usually, usually on the sevens. Like their beer, Space Dust, is one of the best beers. Um, Listen, you don't, you don't have to try and. Yeah, but, yeah, I, it's whatever comes to to mind. I I say that, out there that's and fine. That's yeah. right. I have. You, you know, don't need to You know. You, no, you no, no, no. There's been one beer. I forgot whichever one was the the one that was a yam style beer, and it <clears> first hit my palate, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is great!" And then as the show was progressing, <laughs> it got progressively worse. But I already said the number out there. <laughs> it was like one it went from like a close to a nine, and then I was just like, by the end of the show, I was like, "This is like more like a seven at best." So. But it is what it is. It's out there. I'm putting it up there. You know, I, I think you, you could change your your from now on. You can change your score mid show or at the end of the show by the time Ooh. because, you know, the palette changes as you go along. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, hey, you know, initially this this beer is an eight, nine, right? Eight point yeah. nine. But as we went along, it's gotten worse or vice versa. Maybe this is a six, eight and it gets up to a seven, five drunker you get. Who knows, man? I, I appreciate that. This I'm now excited about this because it has happened. You know? Some runway to work with. Here. Wow. It's like evolving over time. So this is this is exciting. So I'll even write in the show notes started off at this ended with this you said something key evolving over time that that's what we talk about on this podcast right that's what we're about it's evolving it's you know uh becoming better um becoming different getting different perspectives uh we're going to share obviously today our different perspectives on neoa as it's kind of changed and how we used to treat it now you know maybe how we treat it now uh i know you said before you don't treat it as much anymore obviously you got the the racehorse stallions that you're treating so um but yeah anyway let's go tkes or uh no tkas sorry tkes Um, TKs. you you have to do tkes with tks yes um but yeah so jay let's let's lead with you and i guess maybe what you used to do being that you really Mm. don't see that population now and i know you have some good um some research and, and things uh that you want to talk about as well but yeah um i i think things have been changing over the past few years on mm. how quick surgeons are are um willing to to go into surgery with these type of patients but yeah kicks off man yeah um so i was <laughs> after my first job my second my real job as we've heard on the show um was in more of a geriatric um senior uh style uh location uh so i did see a bunch of total knees um especially earlier on which i had a extreme dependence on prescriptions and previous medical imaging and such uh which maybe even changed up my mindset how i treated individuals um i definitely if people came in with you know that script that was like moderate to severe oa um, it, I even really put up a fight per se to say, Hey, you know, let's, let's try and prevent this or, um, you know, prevent a surgery of sorts. And that was early on. Luckily I hopped into residency pretty quickly once I was at BSR. Um, but that was, that was kind of the mentality was then that kind of changed up my mobilizations or what I had in the toolbox as well. So if I couldn't just push their knees straight down in more of aggressive pattern, 
um, and get their knees straight or just passive range of motion flexion, um, get their knee flexion back, uh, they were pretty much doomed for a uh, knee replacement. And the place where I was particularly at was a um, large ortho group that was keen on replacing joints. Um, so that, you know, led to me have a, a large population of total knee replacements. And then through, you know, residency training, getting more confident with it, um, started uh, falling extremely in love with direct access and trying to build up a name and brand with that. Um, yeah, we started to see a lot of, a lot of individuals before they saw their orthos or at the same time and kind of pitched as, oh, well, it's a prehab maybe for your surgery, just like we do their ACLs, but, you know, view as an opportunity, maybe we can also prevent the surgery if unnecessary. So it started evolving that, and that became my, you know, almost a challenge or a, yeah, pretty much a challenge. Uh, I took it personally, like MJ, I took that personal. Anybody who came into the clinic uh, that was kind of slotted for a surgery, because we started to promote, hey, do prehab, it was my goal is to prevent them. Yeah. Why that's the case, um, not to say, hey, you know, PT is the only way and, you know, may I get them a little bit better, but avoid the surgery altogether. No, if it means that you're pain free, you know, I don't care really what the strategy is. I just know that the total knee replacement, those earlier stages are very uncomfortable. Um, it does restrict you, you know, you're not, you know, some certain people have gone to sprinting and return to some sports and that sort of stuff. But let's face it, for the most part, people's like lives change. And then the possibility of complications. Um, We don't really think that all all the time, but it does happen. I've had a handful of people that had nightmare situations from basically just your basic contractions um, all the way to strokes. Uh, Now they went in for orthopedic procedure and then their whole life's changed and now they can't use one side of their body. Yeah. So that's my thought process of why I want to avoid it. But I'm not the type of person who's like, oh, let's beat a dead horse. Oh, you got only one degree increase. Uh, no, don't go for the surgery. There is a certain time and place for it. And we'll talk more about that. But that's kind of was my early evolution of things. And at one point, I would say residency fueled this. And I was, maybe my ego was too high. It was like PT or nothing. And now it's more of a kind of a blend of, you know, respecting the patient's goals, needs, and being more collaborative with other health professionals where I can like, all right, you need this. I think you're responding well to this versus, you know, you should go here, but let me throw it back to you, Brandon. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I was with you and and I don't know if that says much for us, but you know, with the PT or nothing, the, I, the, the ego thing, you know, the, I can fix you or quote unquote, save you type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of think that's an evolution in, in your, in a, a clinician's uh, practice, especially those clinicians that like really just try and be like all stars and like, you know, a stud. And like you said, build a brand, build a name, right? Like you pride yourselves on your ability to get people back when no one else has been able to, but then, you know, as you gain more experience, as you get a little wiser, as you realize there's other fish in the pond, um, you, you realize, hey, what patients maybe will respond mm-hmm. and, and what what patients don't respond, you know, and that's what we're going to get into so, uh, later as well. But, you know, we, we, we have that 
kind of chip on our shoulder. It's like, well, I can get you, I can get you better. We just have to do X, Y, and Z. Right. And you want to challenge that, that patient buy-in, which I think is, is a, a good thing in a way, because you're not just taking the status quo. Right. And again, mm. that's what, you know, we try and preach on this podcast is, you know, just because another medical provider says one thing doesn't mean it, it's, you know, that's what we have to go with. Right. Mm. Do you do diligence and, and actually screen out this patient? Like how many times, and we've talked about it before, like an image, an X-ray, an MRI shows arthritis or shows some type of tear. But that doesn't mean that's necessarily the cause of the person's uh, pain or problems. And um, same thing here. And Jeremy's going to go over a little bit, um, you know, some of the factors and impairments we should look into for these types of populations. But, you know, even still, can we modify these things? Can we change these things mm -hmm. either for the short term or long term? Uh, another you know thing that I think is negative in the research like, we, we want these long-term studies. Like there's so many variables in long or looking at long-term outcomes that it's not fair to say, oh, PT didn't work. When you have years of um, faulty movement uh, mechanics, uh, poor lifestyle habits, things like that, somebody's overweight that you're just not going to be able to, to turn around. But can we provide a window of three, six months of relief for that person? Maybe they retire in a year and we just need to get them to the point where they can retire and then get surgery instead of trying to, you know, that home run approach, you know, all or nothing approach of trying to get them better and completely avoid it. So I, I've changed as well. I used to have that, that mentality as well. Um, I've also, and maybe this is just my perspective or, or, or wisdom or experience at this time, you know, 10 years ago when we first started, I, I feel like, you know, I was like, oh, you have new way you're getting surgery, like right away. I, I find now um, that surgeons tend to be more uh, lenient with this. Okay, try PT first. Let's try some injections. Let's try to space this out. Let's make this a, a last resort type of thing, mm. um, which which I'm uh, seeing more of. Or, hey, let's maybe only do a partial knee replacement versus a full knee replacement. Um, hey, you only need one knee replaced. Let's just do the one where it used to be, hey, let's do this one now because you're never going to come back for the second one if I do this one. You know, that was the mentality. So they were getting bilateral oh. knee replacements at the same oh. time, Those right? Which is rough, awful. Rough and then years. One would always lag behind, right? So oh. I, I think some of that's driven by what the insurances are reimbursing the surgeons too. They're not paying for dual surgeries where they get to bill out four surgeries at one time. Mm. Um, so that might be playing a role into it. Um, but hopefully, it, you know, I'd like to believe that, hey, we just have the data that shows that it's not a uh, surgery isn't the fix that we thought it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did not miss those double, uh, double knee replacement days. Uh, the, the double hips weren't terrible, but they still weren't the greatest. Just too much for the body to handle, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even I, I remember having those people, and I, I extend their sessions to probably two plus hours just so they can get, I was focusing on both. And even that was, wasn't enough it's just way too much but yeah. i think you brought up some really good great points i mean it shows that the whole whole medical uh profession uh, the, you know whatever discipline is, is is growing and evolving um i remember my mentor had a patient that went in for an x-ray it was again it was like subacute pain uh that was a big problem it's like it's one thing if you had chronic pain you went through bouts of physical therapy I always debate that, you know, what was the quality of therapy? If you're getting hot packs and, you know, some high school kid was running through exercises, is that really physical therapy? No, but let's say, you know, there's, you know, you did some exercises, you tried some things and it's just chronic, you've dealt with it, it changes your quality of life. Okay, go for it. But I remember some people were 
you know, they would go in, they've just had pain for the first time in their knee and they get an x-ray and they're like, oh, it's severe OA. It's bone on bone. You got to get it operated. And let's look at the other one. No, shit, that one's bone on bone. But let's look at the hip. And I remember one patient uh, went in with just some subacute knee pain and then coming left. out for hip replacement or four yeah. replacements. So, the, the surgeon said, we need to replace all four immediately. Like, imagine that. Just you're just going in, like, oh, yeah, I think I just tweaked something, you know, maybe again, injection or PT. Uh, but was told, uh, you know, let's let's replace. We need to replace everything. Patient uh, was thankfully resistant to that idea. Had the PT, did great. No replacements anywhere. But yeah. um, you know, it's just it was, it was crazy times back then. But I thought you brought up a good point about you know our research and our uh, you know the constant look for some long term changes and um, or differences. I think you know short term effects lead to long-term changes in behaviors you know my grandma used to always say like i can't do things and she was obese and had diabetes and all these sort of things um but she couldn't do much because she was in pain if we can help eliminate people with pain maybe especially those ones who really need lifestyle changes who are overweight or sedentary lifestyle we can get them that where they aren't in pain and start to encourage them and use the exercise portion of physical therapy as a segue to staying active. Yeah, not everyone's going to do it. Um, you know, that's in a way of like preventing these surgeries and we don't get credit for that, um, yeah. especially in the research. So, you know, you know, it's something you, I think we need to give ourselves credit for. Um, there's been a couple patients unrelated uh, NEOA where recently the patient expressed that PT changed her life, not just from a pain perspective, but also from the mental cognitive side of things. But, um, you know, think about that guys, when you're, when you're treating your patients and that sort of stuff is what's the impact in the long term? Is it, you know, I'm treating and beating a dead horse, trying to get, you know, one to two degrees that don't sustain in between sessions and extending their rehab months and months and months to the point where they hate PT and then they end up going for operation or, you know, that's changing their life in a negative way, or, you know, I'm doing some things, I'm clearing them out. I'm preventing them a surgery and preventing any, um, you know, loss of function as well. And so many people change up their life because of major surgeries. Um, so if we can hit them early and I think that's something that's exciting, you know, people still don't know. I mean, every time I have the conversation with someone random off the street, about the fact that we do direct access and physical therapy, it's still surprising to them. Yeah. Um, but you are seeing more and more and more of it. And I hope that that becomes our cycle is like, if we can get these people early, um, then, you know, can we prevent that whole process? Um, Dr. Howard Lukes just put up a, a blog or a website, um, you know, uh, website blog, how he said, you can't unsee your image but like it's not one thing all right we can explain to someone hey no this is fine in asymptomatic individuals but still planting that seed you can't unsee it yeah. and how much that affects people's lifespan for for instance if we can see those people direct access whether it's a total knee stiff knee whatever it may be get them and say hey you know you just have some range of motion loss maybe some weakness here or there are some things that can help better stabilize knee, whatever you want to say, or ankle mobility issues. Um, 
you know, can we, you know, make a quick change, get their confidence back, get them back into activity and avoid the whole x-ray that says they have, um, you know, moderate to severe NEOA. Um, an article I did not pull up that I probably should while Brandon talks is, I believe there was a study of individuals who came in with single-sided knee pain um, and then they got x-rays. And I believe 60% of the individuals had more arthritic changes or severe arthritic changes in the non-involved knee mm. compared to the involved. Yeah. Um, I'll have to go look up that study, but I remember that. I remember the percent. I'll, I'll go get that. Um, and that was like something I saw all the time was mm. so many patients would go into the, to the orthos. And again, this is back in the day. Now things have evolved for the better, but they go in and the doc would be like, so your right knee hurts. And they're like, no, it's my left knee. And the doc like looks back up and it's like, no, it's the other knee. They're like, no, it's not. You know, that's just how it is. So we can't over rely on imaging. I think we're starting to see that change. Um, but to avoid the image altogether, sometimes maybe, maybe the way to go. Yeah. Jane, you, you have the, uh, the article up there. Um, what's the uh, guidelines or, or clinic prediction rules to help rule in uh, or rule out uh, NEOA? All right, one second. Let me find and uh, while you were looking up or while you were talking, I was looking up the whole weight reduction thing. There is an article by Christensen in 07 that talks about uh, weight reduction uh, helping with pain for NEOA. And that number is about 13 and a half pounds, like six point something, 6.7 kilograms, right? So multiply that by two, right? So you're looking at around that 13 uh, pound uh, range. So talking to those patients that have poor lifestyle habits, uh, and maybe it's not done in PT, maybe they have to be referred out to a trainer or something that you work in the area or all for all you, all you performance based PTs out there. Um, this is, you know, where you get to, you know, shine, uh, and hopefully get that patient to buy in and, and set a goal and set a program, uh, create a program for them where, um, you know, they lose 13, 14, 15 pounds. And uh, that should help reduce some, uh, at least the stress and pain going through that knee. And then you couple that with some manual therapy to help begin to load that joint again, and then some exercise to strengthen it up. And hopefully uh, you're able to make some, um, some progress. On a related note, <clears throat> and um, talking about, you know, conversation piece, and we have a conversation, uh, patient education communication course coming up, right? That's yes, we do. May 21st. It's uh it's a webinar, free webinar. Mm -hmm. Uh please sign up. Uh check out our Instagram. Doc, our very own Dr. Kyle Feldman is gonna be uh presenting that one. He that's one of his passions. He loves uh, I guess two or three things, and it's um manipulations, uh dry needling I'd put up there, and uh he loves patient communication um and um clinical reasoning like those are his wheelhouses he's really yeah. good at that stuff so uh definitely tune in uh to him and he's um unlike me and jeremy he speaks very well <laughs> very well articulated man we're getting uh, better we're so, getting better yeah but, um yeah check that out i brought it up for a point um you brought up like the weight loss and everything like that <clears throat> brandon how blunt are you with your, let's say your morbidly obese patients, you got, they got knee pain or hip pain. Um, and you know that the, their overweight is significantly impacting the, 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 the cause of their pain, or maybe is the sole cause of their knee pain. 
how blunt are you in about saying, listen, you know, it's because you're X, Y, Z overweight. Um, I'm just curious because yeah. I have a, something so, that happened to me yesterday. So Thanks. luckily um, nowadays, especially um, well, I, well, I used to just shy away from it because oh, yeah. you know, I, I was probably too, this I knew, I knew I was going to be too blunt. And so, you know, I just didn't know how to have a conversation, but luckily now I, I've been able to learn how to like get them to ask the question uh, or a lot of times, actually, even the patient will say, oh, well, I know my weight has a lot to do with it. Right. E even if it may not, they, they may think so. And it's like, oh, well, that's a great conversation piece. The patient gave you literally the breadcrumb to go mm -hmm. and talk about it and say, all right, no problem. Like, well, research has shown, you know, reduction of only, uh, you know, 13, 14 pounds uh, will help your pain significantly, you know, and then break it down. And it's like, that may seem like a large number. It may not, but let's just take a pound or two a week and we can get you there. Uh, no problem. Like I can do this X, Y, and Z on the exercise side, you know, we'll get you on the bike. We'll get you on the skier. We'll get you on some low impact stuff. Um, and then if like eating is a problem, um, you know, maybe go see a nutritionist Um you know, then you have all the people I have a thyroid issue. I have this, I have that, um, you know, a little bit deeper of a conversation. Maybe they have to be sent to, um, you know, endocrinologist or something to get, you know, medication and things like that. I would say sidebar between our professional colleagues here. Um, most people, right. Who take good care of themselves probably don't have all these thyroid and hormonal and balance issues and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. There are outliers. There are people who, who do, but for the most part, the people with high blood pressure, the people with thyroid issues, the people with diabetes is because they have decades, decades of poor lifestyle habits. That shit just doesn't fucking happen. But mm -hmm. anyway, everyone likes to, especially in this me too world and, and uh, likes to just kind of be soft and let's be real make better choices, you'll probably be okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, a little soapbox there. You know yeah, why? No, because I, you know my, this is totally, totally going off. Uh, yeah, it's okay. That's, and I'm, I'm doing, like a, it, I think, like a fellow thing uh, tomorrow uh, or Friday, whatever days today. Um, and I, I think I'm going to do it on a topic, just a bunch of softies out there these days. I'm sorry. Like I saw a post on Physiogram uh, and they posted – uh, you know, some, some Joe Schmo saying that they wanted to be a PT or go to PT school, but they were afraid of the workload and being burnt out even before they got licensed. Like you, PT is not the profession for you, bro. Uh -huh. You're fucking soft as fuck that you want an easy ass program. Like, yeah, it's hard. It sucks. Not going to lie. We've all kind of gone through it, but it's school. It's a medical profession. You're not going to have a cupcake coursework to work on people. Like it's just mind boggling. Like, and they're complaining about it, like, then it's not for you. Don't become a PT. I'm sorry. It, like, you're the person, you might have the grades, but your personality and your mindset sucks. And you're going to be a shitty PT because you're worried about being burnt out as a 22 year old applying to a fucking program. It makes no sense. I don't know. I'm going to add in. So I'm going to connect some dots here while I brought up the whole thing. Um, so, where I'm at in my new office, uh, at jet training and ed he trains a lot of the um of local firefighters because he is a firefighter and yep. we had um while i was coming into the office one guy pulled out of the of the intense train that they go through so they he puts them through like regular training and then training with their mask and then adds like 
their gear, gear and then adds a pack like week by week great exposure it's great uh but this one particular gentleman was was has been struggling um and he's easily over 300 pounds um his dad's apparently a firefighter is like a stud and everything like that but um like i had to like look at his knee and everything like that and he's struggling and like it was almost a, like paint the picture for him is that you know this is a high intense thing that you have to do you have to you know i think their gear is 50 to 100 pounds yeah uh, you have to carry people you have to do all these things you have to go flip stairs you have to you know hoses um you know some people are just not built for certain professions or unless you make this lifestyle changes or for pt school you gotta you gotta put the grind and you gotta study you can't we can't be giving out doctorates to everyone and we can't you know have firefighters who who aren't you know um conditioned physically like active or conditioned yeah. you know going into fires where there's little oxygen availability and that sort of stuff so yeah i mean uh, it was interesting. I did all the things in the knee and I was like, instantly though, my clinical decision is like, this guy is, you know, probably working harder than he has in his entire life. And that's why his knees hurt. Like there was no trauma or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. Hopefully I can hop in on that conversation tomorrow. Um, you know, uh, and then this day and age, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to call people out on these sort of things. You know, that's, that's the problem. It's like back in the day, you used to be like, yeah, you're, you're overweight. You're not going to make it. Or you didn't put the, enough time into a study to get into a program. Now it's like, you can't, you can't do that. And um, I think that's leading to more issues, to be honest. And COVID has only perpetuated the softness. And every time, you know, a student who's not doing well, oh, well, be nice to them. They were a COVID class. All right, granted, yeah, that's a thing, but doesn't mean you got to suck and not know your shit because you had COVID or not you had COVID, but you know, classes were online and stuff like that. Like oh, yeah. find another way. There's things things have really been open for about a year and a half now. Like how how long are we gonna ride the COVID excuse for? And there's plenty of stuff, especially in our profession, which you can read that should get you prepared. So um, especially for differential diagnosing these things these are articles easily available online so um but i guess we should uh digress here <laughs> um yeah. back to neoas but yeah that was a particular patient with knee pain so kind of related um something that you brought up uh before about like you know potentially some other things that can influence things uh another study that i'll bring up um Okay, because also my clinical evolution, the beers, um, it's slightly better. Let me give it, give it a six point nine though. Oh, I want to be too generous now. I'm sticking with my guns. I want to be a All right, yeah, a, a flop flake. Yeah, um, you, you only have to give the update if it actually changes. If yeah, it, I mean, no, it's a little bit better. A little better is not better. We've talked about yeah. that. Oh, right? good point. A little better is not better. Thank you for so, calling me out on that. And yeah. I, see, I appreciate that feedback. I'm not yeah. going to shy away from it. You know what? You're right. I was trying to, you know, appease this company that's probably never going to even know that we did this. Yeah. Six point is a final answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in in evolution as well uh, as a clinician, um. You know, I was, you know, we've mentioned this before is um, we, I, I was, you know, we all do as clinicians, we get hyper-focused on the problem area. 
uh, especially when we have radio radiographic imaging suggesting some pathologies to the area um, and why a lot of my patients maybe were, weren't able to prevent the surgeries um, because of that overly focus on it. And, you know, I was doing that the best of my heart. I was like, I'm going to do everything to a knee possible, you know, whatever mobilizations, exercise, whatever it may be to help that out. And a lot of times, even with knee OA, their problem could be elsewhere. Um, and this goes into the whole thing. You probably have all gotten it out there is you got someone who's had a replacement surgery and their pain is exactly the same uh, pre-surgery to post-surgery. Yeah, there's post-surgery pains and recoveries, but when the quality of pain is the same, that's when something else um, may be going on. And I'll hold on, need to pop up this uh, cluster for the hip. And this is probably some of the reason why, um, you know, some of my hip, my knee patients didn't do so well is again, we, yeah, you x-ray anyone over the age, I'll, it says fifties, I'll say in the forties at this point, especially as imaging keeps getting crisper and crisper. It's just like looking at a regular TV versus an HD TV. And we're like, shit, how the hell did we watch this? Okay. Now there's 4k. It's like, yep. damn it. It's like crisp, but you're going to find more details in, in all our imaging. Um, so I say anyone in forties, I've had some people as young in their, you know, late twenties being diagnosed with OA, but um, you know, something to consider um, is, you know, potentially some variables, especially the hip. We always think things can refer down and I'll throw in, they haven't developed a, um, a CPR specifically for knee OA for the low back. Uh, for a potential low back, they've done it for patellofemoral pain syndrome, uh, but I don't know of one of the of the of the of the knee for uh, for low back or knee OA. But some variables: hip or groin pain. How many of these people are like, especially that particular individual that might have that we meant I mentioned before that get X-rays on all four joints? Maybe had some stuff in the hip, um, but passive knee flexion less than 120 20 degrees um anterior thigh pain more thigh pain versus pure just knee joint pain um a loss of internal rotation uh pain with hip distraction was a cpr uh that was developed to suggest maybe um adding interventions to the hip will mm-hmm. alleviate things into the knee mm-hmm. and let's fa- like think about your differentials um leg calf perthes skiffies a lot of those things refer into the knee so let's have this stuff on our radar and take it one step further, you know, look at the back, look at the ankle as possible impairments or causes of their knee pain. Let's not just purely rely on this image, um, especially with the knees. You know, I talk about that with ACLs and every other knee condition is a lot of the causes or influences of knee pain or, op- uh, you know, further joints. So just wanted to throw that out there and reel us back into the NEOA discussion. Yeah, a thousand percent. We always talk about treating regionally, and a lot of times we get a a lot of uh, our bang from treating regionally because um, you know impairment to other joints will cause increased stress to an area or site of pain is a liar. Um, you know, a lot of times the patient's main complaint is pain, not the fact that they have OA, right? But then we get they get labeled with, oh, okay, OA is the reason why you have pain, and it's like mm, maybe not, maybe not always true. And don't get me wrong, in some cases there there are right. You have 
like that criteria, bone tenderness, bony enlargement, right? Those are things that you want to be able to look at. Um, and then also, um, you know, that's NEOA, tibiofemoral OA, and we have to be uh, cognizant of the uh, patellofemoral OA, which oftentimes just kind of gets lumped in there. And, you know, being able to have that conversation with your patients of, hey, no, this isn't NEOA, this patellofemoral, this is this joint versus, um, you know, uh, tibiofemoral OA, you know, so that might help you with your conversation of, uh, you know, where that patient might get injection or where your treatment is, right? Um, mm -hmm. Mobilizing the patella, um, trying to distract that patella might uh, give you more uh, bang for your buck than working on the knee, mm -hmm. uh, working on the quads, right? A lot of soft tissue to that area. Like, no, we need to get that joint moving better. Um, combine mobilizations uh, in different areas, especially for the, um, you know, uh, tibial extension, adduction mobilization, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Or can we gap that um, that medial side of the the tibia and from uh, femur region where a lot of uh, OA is there? Does that give them the relief, right? And there have been studies that shown you know booster sessions work, manual therapy plus exercises work, uh, and then there are studies, um, probably more so as I've looked at the research that really says that at least long term, and we're looking at a year. Uh, manual therapy and exercise isn't beneficial long-term, but it's beneficial short-term. And like Jeremy said before, well, you know, what, what can we do in, in the short-term to um, make some changes to allow them to not have as much pain so we can begin to load them and strengthen them or improve their, their functional status, um, you know, so they can do X, Y, or Z. Maybe that person, that's all they need. Or maybe that person is going to retire in a year and just needs to, um, to get to that point where they can retire and have more time to then uh, get the knee replacement. Uh, that's where our evolution has come in. It's like, Hey, you know, we're doing our job here. Um, you know, in this case, it's cog in the wheel. Like we have to play our role. You know, we're not going to reverse 30 years of, of knee damage OA and things like that. Um, and that person's not going to need it as much as it pains me to say, you know, uh, it's realistic and you need to be able to understand it as a therapist and uh, make that referral out or have an honest conversation with, uh, with a patient. Hey, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. If we don't see a change within, you know, a, a month, six weeks, uh, eight weeks time, um, let's get some injections. Let's, let's, uh, let's do X, Y, or Z, um, you know, gel injections, not corticosteroid injections. And let's see where we can go with this. Uh, they may need that. They may need the surgery. So yeah, and that's okay. Uh, I think that's why I always mention to like my students or even even patients when I get on a real rant is I hope as research continues to develop and we become better clinicians is that yeah you know everybody's unique but hopefully we can get to a point where every almost every intervention subgroup like we know when's the best time to hit each particular individual that presents with you know ABC with that intervention at that time. And it's going to take years of research to develop that. You know, mm -hmm. we started to with a lot of these treatment-based classifications and such and so forth, or CPRs, but, um, and they're under a lot of fire, but, you know, we can't just stop there. Um, yeah. You know, if we keep doing it, we'll, we'll, you know, obviously there's ebbs and flows and there's, you know, people are in multiple groups and that sort of stuff. But um you know, we need to develop these sort of things. And especially when it comes to things that are especially more invasive, mm. um, but even physical therapy, it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's have everyone go to physical therapy and delay things for a long period of time. 
and let's say what Brandon say, like you messing up someone's retirement or wait for someone's retirement or, um, you know, they start to progressively get worse and they miss on their opportunities. Uh, let's say they're getting more contracted and losing range of motion. No, probably would have been better to maybe have that surgery earlier. So, you know, you have to have the, you know, you have to be humble enough to, to know who's the, who, who needs a surgery or who needs other intervention. And then you're going to help them along the way, regardless, for the most part, you're going to help them quarterback the situation or you're going to see them post-op. And they'll respect you for, you know, sending them the right way. And sometimes I'll, you know, we mentioned on the show is like, listen, you know, we're working with things. There's no guarantees. We'll try out for a couple of weeks. And then as a couple of weeks going, you're maybe not seeing as much change as you're hoping. And then you say, Hey, I want you to go see the surgeon or orthopedist that you trust. That's also kind of, like mine is like, I'll only operate when I feel like it's necessary. And then, you know, they schedule that and maybe a couple more weeks go by and maybe they start to cope. Things change, you know, a lot of their life stressors are now gone and um, more just the fact that you're hammering things and staying consistent with things that get better. So, um, you know, these sort of things happen, you know, sometimes we, we put a rush ourselves to get things done in a week or two, and it does take more time. Uh, but you set them up where they have all their available options uh, right from the get-go. So, yeah. you know, just keep, consider that with your care. Yeah, I just want to wrap up. You touched on a great point. Um, it's where we need to really continue to go and improve. Uh, we talk about patient education, patient communication, therapeutic alliance. Um, you know, as we see more people as in general, as the profession grows, as we become um, more of a direct access option. Um, and even if people come with us or referral, like we always talk about, we get more time with the patient. Well, we need to really utilize that, that time that we're able to spend with the patients. Um, whether it's one session at a time, because you can see them for half an hour, an hour, or the fact that we're seeing them for a a lengthier stay than a, a physician will, um, is, you know, like you said, quarterback in that patient. Uh, being able to to be kind of that point person for them and, and give them the options. Um, and I think that really comes down to knowing your stuff um, and not just being a, a nice person. Yeah, that helps be, uh, to do that. But you need to know, you know, if the call you're making is correct. Um, are you putting that patient in a, uh, the best decision? Are you being transparent with them and open with them? Um, like Jeremy said, on the long run, that's only going to benefit you. Uh, it's how both of us have built our practices by being open and transparent, um, direct at, at some, sometimes having these difficult conversations, but cut, but you know, it's paid off. And, but I think we're able to have those conversations because we've spent so much time to hone our skill set, um, take a profession seriously, um, in the beginning and, and you know, want, wanting to be having that chip on our shoulder of wanted, wanting PT to be the, the first and hopefully only stop you, you make. Obviously we've, we've uh, changed and we've evolved and we understand that um, not every patient needs that uh, or requires that, but at least that uh, we have that capability. Clap up on that one. That was excellent way to wrap this up. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a good way to wrap things up unless there's any other more nuggets of wisdom here. Um, uh, You know, one last thing. Yeah, definitely try it. Um, if you're in an area where it seems like nobody tries PT first for any knee OA, it's like you're only getting people that get the total knee replacements. And then one of your follow-up questions are like, did you have physical therapy first? 
Mm-hmm. And if they keep saying no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Then maybe start going out and educating your community, the local surgeons, just to test it out. If anything, worst thing, worst best case scenario, it's prehab. We know prehab, especially for knee uh, pathologies, is effective, leads to better outcomes on the on the other side. You know, just start educating people, try and get them in, and great. If they they respond extremely well and don't need surgery, great. You just save uh, tons of insurance dollars and tax dollars and the person from additional risk. Uh, and if not, you know, whatever they go for the surgery, but they're probably going in a little bit better. That journey, that uncomfortable journey is probably a little bit easier. Um, so yeah, that's something to add to the table there, but awesome discussion. Hopefully you guys got some nuggets of wisdom there for your NEOAs and, uh, yeah, uh, thanks. <laughs> Sorry, thanks for uh, tuning in. And uh, uh, yeah, cheers, everybody. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Nips and Sips. If you liked what you listened to, please follow and subscribe to us on all major social media and podcast platforms. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. Interested in one of our courses? Go to www.iosmt.com. Interested in business and private practice mentorship and advice? Visit us at therehabcoaches.com. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or recommendations, whether that be clinical or SIPs. At Manips and SIPs, at The Decent Doctor, and at Think Like a Fellow. Thanks for tuning in and cheers, everyone. <laughs>